Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. And all ye who hear now to his temple draw near, sing now in glad adoration. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth be his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all people rejoice. Y'all know that one? Oh, God. Praise the awesome and give him the glory. Stand with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly I have the privilege of knowing where I'm going and you don't. That first song that I sang to you was written in 1680 by a German reform guy.
And I consider it a privilege to join with him at our most holy, eternal faith that has survived centuries and millennia and continents and neighborhoods and it's cut through culture and it's cut through hip-hop and it's cut through gospel it's cut through symphony at the end of the day it's still christ and christ crucified and our victorious king who reign forever and ever and ever and ever So God, as we hear today and are reminded of the, the importance and the significance of singing, God, I pray that you would just infuse our hearts with so much joy. And God, would you help us to recapture just for a, a, a brief moment how honored and cherished the practice we have to raise our voice in song to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Ooh, y'all sound good today. Y'all sound good today. Ak, we need to start trying more amount. We need a bigger rotation. Because if it sound as good as I'm hearing it, then we just got to expand this thing, man. Hey, if you are uh, uh, with us, we, we, uh, I paused. I was doing Romans, and I was like, oh, no, man, I, I need to do this. And so um, I, th- I thought it was ex- especially important because we have a, a, a bunch of, forgive me, theological mutts in this room like myself. I've just been all over. I bet y'all didn't know you had a black dude who could just riddle off four or five of them hymns like that. You understand know what I'm saying? You ain't know. See, y'all white folks didn't know. I got a little bit of that too. You know what I'm saying? I was well-versed. You understand? Um, and most of those songs... God, my wife would be the only one who testified. Like, those aren't even in my contemporary rotation. I'm pulling. Ooh. God, I'm going somewhere, but it's not time yet. But anyway, um, man, we, we just want, especially because we're a diverse group in here, I just want to make sure we understand the things that we're doing while when we come to worship. And I try to, uh, um, in addition to reminding us last week that we've been called to worship and that we've been sent out um, uh, and charged as a missiological people to go and proclaim and testify, but we're going with God's blessing. So we were both, everybody say, we're called to worship, and then we're sent out with God's blessing. That was, that was last week. That was the idea. And inside of that, I wanted to kind of help y'all understand that um, not this in no way to, to, to make fun of your mama church or wherever church you came from. This is just to say, and not, not to say that um, sometimes we get a lot of theological snobbery, people who had a lot of time on their hands and they could read a lot of books and, and think for long times. They sometimes think that they think about Jesus better than other people. That is not true. That is absolutely 100,000% not true. Now, it doesn't mean, though, that people who had a lot of time and who could read a lot of books did not develop beautiful things that we can draw from that point us to Jesus. Does that make sense, too? And so one of the things we know is that from the very first moments that uh, corporate worship seemed to start being a thing that uh, moved beyond people's living rooms in common spaces, is that people started carefully thinking through how they construct worship. 
And so we are just continuing on in that tradition of kind of how we construct our liturgy. We actually, we hope that if some way somebody just got a sheet, all they did was had your bulletin, they might get a sense of what it is we've been trying to communicate to you. They wouldn't have to hear the preacher preach. They wouldn't even have to hear one of the songs. But, oh, they're called to worship. They confess their sins. They're assured of pardon. They offer gifts to God. They pray a prayer of thanks. Then they pray. Then they, oh, we're trying to tell you a story. And we want to tell you that story week after week, week after week, until it becomes part of your daily practice. That you wake up and realize when the alarm went off. That doesn't mean that you got to go punch the clock. It means that you've been called to worship image bearer, redeemed by God. And that you've been sent out with his blessing. And so we want to rehearse that in our daily lives. But today we're talking about the importance of singing. Everybody say singing. Um, It's only seven or eight things that I feel like no matter what planet you're on, no matter what, you know, uh, time, space, and redemptive history you've kind of landed in, that, hey, I think these things are actually really essential to doing church. And I don't, I kind of, I stop before I get there. It's not a hard stop. But I really would question on the things that I would teach. It's like, hey, are you really doing church if you don't do these things? Now, whether you have a formal call to worship or a benediction, that's what we do. I wouldn't say that you're not doing church if you don't do it. But singing is a absolute essential. And if God's people ain't singing, I'm going to confidently say you ain't doing church. You ain't doing church, my friend. God's people is a singing people. And so let's talk about that. Singing, what is it, right? The Oxford Dictionary just say it's the activity, right, of performing songs or tunes made by making musical sounds with the voice. Everybody make a, make a joyful noise right now. <laughs> That's right, my friends, right? Um, Psalms 106 is going to tell us to praise the Lord. It's going to say give thanks to the Lord for he is good, right? But just praising the Lord is different from singing. I believe that singing actually making musical tones with the voice is a specific and different command than just praising God. And I think biblical singing is this. I think biblical singing is emotional, artistic proclamation and communication. The Bible will tell you to praise God. The Bible will tell you to give thanks. And then the Bible is going to tell you to sing praises to God. And I think when it tells you to sing praises of God, it's asking you something different. Because it didn't just say praise him. It's saying something different. It's saying that I want my people made in my image to communicate to me with emotion, with with artistry and beauty. And I want them to proclaim things that are true about me. I want them to talk to me in that kind of fashion. We know that when God says, you know, it is good. We know that, and you should know that, and you should see it inferred. Um, even, you can see this even as he gives the instructions on how he wants his tabernacle made, and even as Solomon constructs the temple, is that God is not just a God of functionality, but he's a God of beauty too. So it's not merely that, hey, just make some stuff, right? That's acceptable, but it is also beautiful. And it, it, is, a, it is a way that singing can convey that beauty that, just saying God is good cannot. When he says sing to me, he's not just saying say God is good. When he says sing to me, he says 
Say, for you are good, for you are good, for you are good to me. Singing almost inherently has an emotive quality to it. It's just marrying the two. And it doesn't matter if you're singing well, but it almost qualifies that if you're singing, you have to reach deep from somewhere to pull something out with conviction. According to, let's talk more about singing and the science of it. The Welsh National Opera, they did their own study and they said in recent years, scientists have learned that music's effects on the brain can become addictive. Uh, pull me down a little bit, Mike, and the monitor's up here or something. I got a little ringy ring, ring. Two, two. That was, that was my um, bro man voice. Is that right? No? That's my Martin voice, trying to fit flow. Amen. But it says, in recent years, scientists have learned that music's effects on the brain can become addictive, acting on the same parts of the brain as illegal drugs, but without the side effects. In this way, singing can help improve psychological well-being and reduce symptoms of agitation, anxiety, and depression. By increasing blood flow through the body, scientists have learned, singing also encourages the brain to release the feel-good chemicals, right? Such as endorphins and helps to strengthen the neural pathways and increase neuroplasticity, right? Which is the brain's ability to change and adapt to new experiences. Now, that's what scientists have figured out. But you do know that scientists are only confirming what God has already designed. They just catching up. It's not true because they figured it out. It's true because it's how God wired us. He created us to be singing people. He would not ask us and command us to sing if we didn't have the ability to sing and if it was not good for our flourishing. Sing people. Sing and sing often. Singing has a quality that enables you to embrace and remember words. We all know this, right? I'm loving it. Hey, hey. Singing has a way of, of transporting you. I start singing things you know exactly where you were, what decade after these messages will be. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because singing is special, and, and it has a special ability to help you retain, right? As a matter of fact, as Moses is getting ready to exit stage left, in Deuteronomy 31, which is a really strange thing, he actually recounts Israel's wilderness wanderings and their history, and, and he instructs Joshua. He says, put it in a song. And he doubles down on it. Teach them the song. It's the strangest thing because I read it and you will read it. And it's like, how in the world will they put this to meter and rhyme? It don't have no content, no flow. He said, yeah, make it a song and teach it to them. Teach them to remember their, their history, to know what not to do and what to do. And how we're going to teach them to remember it? Make them sing it. It's crazy. John, Jonathan Edwards wrote a book called Religious Affections. And he says, singing has a way of stirring our affections. And then Piper comments on it and he says, 
what we have to understand for that to be true for us, to understand that singing stirs our affection, is that we have to understand that true religion consists very much in our affections. True religion consists very much in our affections. He says, number two, there is no true Christian faith without the affections being awakened. God is most glorified, of course, in Piper language when he is affecting us, not just when he is known by us. Come on, man. True Christianity is popping, not when you know things, but when what you know is affecting you, man. Yeah. It's moving on you. It's working on you. It's leading you in a different place. It is affecting the emotions. God, is this not what John 8 says? That, hey, man, God doesn't want a bunch of slaves. He wants sons who want to serve him. So tell me what kind of kingdom he's building that's any different than any other autocrat in the world if all he has is a bunch of people who know stuff but actually who don't want to be there. He's just big Putin, huh? He's just big Mussolini. Just keep, keep instructing them. Oh, no. But the whole basis of our faith is that love came down. And now he's compelling you. He's trying to draw you with loving kindness so that you will willfully, being affected by your emotions, serve him. And singing has a way of, of not just us interpreting, but it has a way of moving on our emotions so we connect with it. I told you before, there are 400 references in the Bible. Uh, the Gettys wrote a, a small book I would just commend to you if you get really excited about what I'm preaching about today. It's, it's just called Sing. But in it, they have so many good things. But one of the things that they say is there's 400 references to singing in the Bible and 50 direct commands, 50 direct imperatives to sing. Not to praise, to sing. And this psalm that Nate read for us just gives us a, a couple of good nuggets to understand how we do it, who we do it to, and what for and the purposes. Let's just go back. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. I think I just wrote in my notes, how, what, how is this instructing us to sing? It, it, it's mean that we need to sing freshly all the time. Now, you can see in the Bible there are special occasions um, where Israel constructs songs after special victories or deliverances. But I think this harkens us back to the fact that singing is a part of the package, baby. It's what we do. And I just want to tell you one thing. I am feel so vindicated right now because my family is so annoyed, but they got a worship leader in their own house. And I be washing dishes, talking about, praise the Lord, everybody, praise the Lord. Come on. I be got doggone, I be playing my video game, talking about, God will take care of you. I sing all the time. And they ask me, must you sing all the time? It's in the Bible, baby. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible now, bro. It's in there. Hey, hey, what's the guy say? It's above me now. It's above me. Take it up with the king but we sing consistently day after day, and I love this, in every season. The consistency means that it don't matter the season in which we sing, we sing. More on that later. 
Who do we sing to? And who is, I mean, who is singing? I think, you know, you look at the end of verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. And I think that is a common call for everybody to worship. And we kind of talked about that last week. It's, it's a call for everybody made in my image to worship me. But specifically, we know that there are certain people who have the spiritual uh, ability to hear that differently. And we know who it's talking to. Everybody say it's us. It's the covenant people who share a common confession. That's who's been called to sing. It's the covenant people who have believed on the Lord Jesus by faith, who share that common confession. Y'all do realize, don't struggle with that. Everybody doesn't believe in Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that? I mean, that might be strange to you, but I'm just telling you. And so there's a lot of the Bible that is just addressed to the us. Okay, that doesn't exclude them coming in, but we don't fuss at people who don't proclaim to love Jesus for not getting up and being coming to church at 10 a.m., do we? No. No expectation, brother. You don't love Jesus. I know you wouldn't go to anybody's church. But for you who've been saved, for you who've been ransomed into his family, you've been called to worship. You've been called to sing. You must sing. I forgot to mention that, but you do realize singing is not optional. And I know this is part of the reason why I wanted to do this series. It's because, you know, some of the things that we learned about, especially as we started trying to do multi-ethnic ministry, it was like, hey, man, we're going to prepare a set list. Sometimes it's going to be hymns. Sometimes it's going to be gospel. Sometimes it's going to be CCM. Sometimes it's going to be hip-hop. And you know what? One of the ways that we serve our brothers is, you know, even when that's not my song, you know, we'll just, we'll allow the other people to sing. And I just want to push back on that just a little bit. Just want to push back on that a little bit now. I actually don't care whether it's your song or not. You sing. That's what we've been called to do. If it's true, we sing. If it's right, we sing. If it's God glorifying, I don't care if we got banjos up here. We sing because that's what we do. That's what we do. And that's what unites us to all the faiths, all the Christians who've gone before. That's what will unite us 300 years later to those who will come behind us. Is that when we hear our God being exalted, we sing, yo. We sing. So don't get caught up in that. Who do we sing to? Mm. Verse 3, we didn't read it, but it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the people. But verse 1 and 2 also just say, Sing to the Lord. So we know that we are, we talked about it yes, uh, last week. Greg Allison wrote that book on the church. It says we are a, mis, a doxological people. That our, that our orientation is for the glory of God. That everything we do is for his glory, for him, to him, and from him are all things. He deserves all the glory. Romans eleven thirty six, right? So everything we do is for his glory. So we sing to him. And we sing to him for the strengthening of, of our own hearts. And we sing to him for the strengthening of our brother's hearts. You do realize that when you lift your voice, you are encouraging, you are singing truths over your brother and over your sister. You realize that? You realize that? You are doing that, y'all. And they need you to sing. But we're also a missiological people. That's just a fancy word that just means that we're on mission. <laughs> Which means also we sing for the glory of God, but we also sing for the hearing of the nations. 
Y'all do realize there are unbelievers in our midst right now. You do realize that, right? There are people who don't know Jesus that are in this room right now who are not a part of the household of faith. And you want to know one of the most apologetic things you could do is you could sing and you could sing loud and you could sing with conviction. There ain't no greater marketing than being around people who are satisfied. Ain't no better marketing than being around people who are satisfied. People are always checking us out, and they check us out every Sunday. Hmm, I wonder. They told me to check this church out. They told me to try Jesus out. They told me before giving up that I should just try God. I'm just going to give it one last shot. Somebody always on the brink of a breakthrough. Do you know that God can use your satisfied, joy-filled voices to bring them into his kingdom? Oh, Christian, you better sing. You better think about your Saturday night and your Sunday morning and get your hearts ready to explode in this place. Because you realize, too, that, hey, the choir is not the worship team. The choir is not the people who actually make it to the stage that you are the choir. Friends. You are the choir. And far be it from us that we ever get things out of place. If this ever ceases to be helpful, I'll, I'll remove it. Just know I'll remove it. If this ever just becomes something perfunctory that we just look to to do stuff for us, I'll remove it. We are the people who've been called to sing to our glorious God. Why do we sing? Singing is soul food. The Gettys would say, you are what you sing. And I told you, remember, even the scientists have figured out that singing somehow releases chemicals that's able to rewire neural pathways and open up neuroplasticity, right? What all that means is that singing really does change us. Singing changes our heart, our mind, and our soul. Even the secular man believes that. So... How much more do we subscribe? Oh, yeah, it's real. Singing changes us. And let me just give you one way. Discipleship. Deci how many of y'all, oh, I told y'all that. <laughs> Harlem Shake, bang. I told y'all that you are not really Thinking about discipling someone well if all you're doing is giving them community and Bible study. That you actually need to think more along the lines of if you want to disciple someone, come pray with me. Come sing with me. Worse, just, man, cut the thing off. Just worship with me. I'm not teaching you nothing today. Just worship with me. Because I, I do believe... I. <laughs> Singing has a unique place in God's economy. We learn melodies before we learn lyrics. Don't we? You know, there's so many songs that literally, I'm 41, I come to my music expert. I'm like, Gina, what they say in that song? Oh. Some, some songs I have to remove from my catalog. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know they were talking about that. 
Let me just go. It didn't ever songs like we were just singing early when we were rattling off. It's like, man, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of salvation. He is my health and salvation. Golly, I didn't learn that until 30 years later. But it was being worked into me. And it manifested itself when I needed it most. Down at the cross where my Savior died. (laughs) Come on, man. I am, as I was preparing this sermon, I love my fam bam. And it just made me appreciate them more. Because what, what they may have lacked in giving me emotionally and all the other things, they sure did so in me spiritually. And I'm so glad it was that way. I'm so glad it was that way. But as I have the rock and I have the basis, and if you want to be serious about discipleship, if you want to be serious about your babies and having them walk with Jesus, you need to know that singing scatters the seeds that produce a healthy, strong, fruit-bearing disciple. Sing over them and sing often. Off-key, on-key, sing what you know to sing. Some scientists actually believe that you learn to sing before you learn to speak. Sing, Christian. We sing because it strengthens us. We actually know, remember I told you, you sing at all seasons. Sometimes people just regard singing for when I'm happy, when I'm joyful. You need to go through the Psalms. You got 150 of them, and there are a number of them that are just sad, and they have no resolution. These people are bothering me. I don't know what to do. I'm hurting, and I'm afraid. The end. No rescue, no resolution, nobody coming in. It's just sad, which just should let you know, humans, you have the ability to be sad. But what do they do with the sadness? They're still bringing it to God through song. Let me mess with you just a little bit. We believe there's a group of people who believe, theologians, that Jesus may have been singing from the cross. See, we get to those last words and we get to Jesus, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And we isolate the statement because we're, we're, we're just not really good exegetes, right? So we, we take the statement and we're just like, oh, Jesus is confessing that he's sad. But what if, I, I, heard, this, I heard this commentary, what if, because if you were a Jew, you knew your songs and you knew the ones you sung, and what if, just like we did in this room, amazing grace. Okay. What if Jesus knew that in my saddest moment, I'm not just confessing that I'm hurting, but I'm actually worship leading. Hey, because everybody at the foot of the cross knew where I was quoting from. And that there were other verses that go along with Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Jesus said, I sing when I'm sad. I sing at all times. 
What do you sing when you're sad? Abide with me. Fast falls the even time. When darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. And that's in the words of, I have no hell but, Lord, with thy help me. Oh, Lord, would you abide with me? One thing I used to do when my babies would be asleep. Say, cast all your cares upon him. Lay all of your burdens down at his feet. And if any time you don't know what to do, you can cast all your cares upon him. Ephesians 5.19, Paul says that you, when you come to worship, you got to come singing psalms and spiritual songs of worship. And I heard a pastor say this week that, hey, essentially what Paul was saying is you need a playlist. You need a playlist to narrate your life. But the, the other thing that I think is most important, especially Ephesians 5 means speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Everybody say from the Spirit. It says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That all y'all need to go out and get logic and fruity loops. That's what it said, y'all. We said we got to, you got to get you some DJ. I'm just playing. It's instructing you. See, we hear like, oh, yeah, read your word, pray. Sing. Okay, sing. Make music from your heart. And I think this is really important, especially to a group of 21st century Christians who are much more interested in catching a vibe. Catching the spirit is not the same as catching a vibe. And let me just tell you, music is powerful. And music is so powerful that it is true that you can go to, to, to 92.1 and you can go to NPR when they have the symphonic hour. And, man, maybe it is, it is great for studying. And you can create lists for chill hop music and dubstep music and anthem music. And all those things are great. And you can go to really dope artists who put poetry together and they can tell stories about life. But that ain't necessarily spirit music. And you could be using your music to escape, but you can only escape for just a little while, y'all. You can only escape for a little while, but the money's still funny. And you still don't know when you're going to get a significant other. And you still don't know if you're going to graduate or get the job. What will help you in that season? Oh, making spiritual songs from my heart that are engaging my affections, it's strengthening me, it's reminding me of whose I am and what I have. Don't use music to escape, yo, all the time. What Paul is saying, sometimes you got to use music to be spiritually nutritious and you got to be premeditative. You got to think about, man, write a couple of these down. Can you recreate the playlist of your journey with Jesus? How about the song that you came to faith on? 
Or the one when you came to faith is the one you just kept repeating. That Shane and Shane song. You know what I'm saying? That Kirk Franklin song. That Ty Trivet song. You know what I'm saying? That Christy Knuckles song. Whichever one. That just, man, that was the song. Oh, when Jesus grabbed my heart, I just ran it and ran it and ran it until the scratches on my CD. If you're like, what was the song that epitomizes your love for him? Every time you hear it, it just makes you swoon. Every time you cut it off, you're like, you love Jesus more. What is the song? What is the song that reminds you of eternity and what God has for you? The reason why we gave all of those things up to follow him, is there any, you got to put some eternity in your rotation. To remember the songs that was helping me in my sanctification. In parking lot with my buddies, Bucknell University, just screaming to the top of our lungs, God, give me a clean heart. I can remember songs that reminded me about him being a provider. Before y'all had your uh, uh, gyra in Maverick City, we had Smokey Norfolk. I need you now. I need you now. We had Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thy hands from me, oh, where shall I go? What's your playlist? What has brought you safe thus far? And in the Getty's book, they, they have this picture about one of their older relatives who's transitioning out. And they say that when his brain was failing him and he couldn't speak to them, he was singing melodies of him. What's the playlist of what's brought you safe thus far? And are you, Christian, developing the playlist that's going to usher you into eternity? When romance is gone and your limbs don't move like they used to. Your brain is not as sharp as it once was. What will you be singing as he brings you over? Our corporate goal of worship and singing is for our entire congregation to sing loudly with full heart. That's what we want. I've been in places where you better lift your hands. You better sing. And the spirit of what is done is absolutely a-okay. But I just want to help you understand this. What we're calling you today is not manipulation. If you don't sing, then. But I am singing for many of you who have social anxieties, and I don't sing well, and I did all kind of things, I'm asking you to close the gap between what you know is right to do and what you're scared and uncomfortable to do. Close it with faith. 
some of y'all's biggest apologetic is when people you know from the outside see what you do inside. They like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm really shy, you know, in the carpool. I'm really shy at the office. Oh, but we, when you come to church, girl, you like Prince. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I love Jesus. Woo! And, and I can get really cranked up for him. I got my whole affections moving right now. I apologize. But I can go back to being docile as soon as we leave. But he gets it all. Far be it from us to let any other sphere, don't, you can psychologize yourself, you can email me. I'd be glad to have the talk with you. But if you tell me that there is another sphere of your life that gets more of you than this, I'm ready for it. Come talk to me. Shouldn't be so, yo. There shouldn't be any space that gets a more unreserved you than the king who gave you his unreserved self. Naked on a cross for people who will be ashamed to acknowledge me, to sing for me. You stand with me.